0: You are an answer, and you may not feel like it, but I'm hoping, I am confident that we will all feel more like an answer by the time we get out of this place today. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, it says, do not remember the former things or consider things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and And rivers in the desert. And then last week we talked about Romans 8.28 being kind of the New Testament version of Isaiah 43 in some ways. Romans 8.28 says, we know that that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And I really encourage you guys, if you haven't, if you missed either one of those talks, uh, to go online and connect with that. Because today I want to talk to you about When you talk about new things happening, you talk about the promise of Isaiah 43, and you talk about the promise and the hope that comes with Romans 8.28, and today I want to talk to you about an example of how it shows up and we can read about it, a person's life in scripture, and that person is Joseph, and there's a lot of lives like this in the scripture as examples, but Joseph's life is such a clear fulfillment of this thing, how suddenly something can happen in our lives, and God surprises us, and this momentum happens over time, and as it happens in our life over time, we see it's like stuff starts to come together, and it makes sense, like, wow, it seemed really hard in that moment, that thing, that piece in my life. Like the scripture doesn't say that all things are good all things work together for good so all the things all of those good bad and indifferent things work together for good so the first thing that we need to understand is that you and i we are not a problem look at the person next to you and say i am not a problem Yeah, you're not a problem. Now you probably, or could have had somebody tell you that you're a problem and maybe they meant it and maybe they didn't, but you are not a problem, but you are an answer. I remember, uh, years ago I was having a conversation with a couple, uh, that was in the church and they've relocated now, but, um, they were having some pretty severe marital issues and it, Uh, Claire and I were talking to them separately, and then at one point, I got involved in the conversation. I was just with the two of them, and I said, you know, one of the things that I see is that you both think the other one's the problem. And I want you to just spend some time around, I am going to intentionally be the answer And not the problem. Because every time we get together, all we talk about is how your spouse is a problem. And then your spouse tells us how their spouse is a problem. So you're both just a problem, apparently. But we don't believe that. And let's spend some time around just being an answer for one another. And lo and behold, I just gave them some real practical tools to be an answer for one another instead of a problem. And they were intentional about it. And literally within a week, things started to shift in their lives. When they, when they, first of all, were aware that they were an answer and not a problem. And then they started living into that. And they started to receive from one another. Because here's the thing. As people, we're all looking for answers, right? Everybody's looking for answers. Everybody's looking for help. Everybody's looking for somebody to bridge the gap. I love this quote by Frederick Beekner. He says, God himself does not give answers. He gives himself. God himself does not give answers. He gives himself. In other words, the scripture, when it says, for instance, in John, and it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that's the answer. Jesus, he, he just is the answer. He lives the answer. He doesn't just try to give all of these like formulaic things in our lives. He joins in our process, and that's the invitation for us. There's always an empty seat at our table, isn't there, for people that, bring, that we sense. It's like if I could just get around them, they just seem to help me get the answers to what the struggles are in my life. And really that's the invitation for all of us. Now, um, you may not feel this way, but the truth is, is you are weird, you're weird. Uh, you are odd, um, but don't feel bad because we're all weird. We're all odd. Some people would call it unique. I mean, you can, you can use whatever terminology you want, but we are really weird. Like there's, there's no two alike. And that is a really good thing that there's this uniqueness about us. Um, If you have a car key, I want you to pull it out, or or a house key would even be better. House key would probably be the best. Just pull it out, and I want you to to just hold it in your hand, but you notice when you get a key that keys are unique, right? And um, keys have these edges, these jagged edges, they have these indentations, almost dents in the key, and the purpose for that is what? is to open a door, correct? And some doors, even some locks, when you put a key in and you go to turn it, you can even hear it click or makes like this noise and it's like, it feels good. It's like success, right? Then there's some keys you put in, maybe you're trying to find out if this is the right key for the door, you put the key in and even though it looks like it fits, even though it goes in, you can't turn it and, the door won't open because it's not the right key. So the problem is the door is locked. The, the, um, the answer is the key unlocking the door. And so it is with us. So it is with us, we have these edges that go on in our lives that are forming us and that formation is what provides part of how we provide answers, how our life is an answer. God, God fashions us this way. Now, Joseph in Genesis 41, starting with verse 9, it says, Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my faults today. Once Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and he put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. In other words, that's a nice way of saying we were in prison. Anyway, we dreamed on the same night. We had these dreams. He and I, each having a dream with its own meaning. A young Hebrew, that was Joseph, who was also in prison at this point. A young Hebrew was there with us. He was a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him about our dream, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each according to his dream. As he interpreted it to us, so it turned out, I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And he was hurriedly brought out of the dungeon when he was, and then he shaved himself and changed his clothes and came before Pharaoh. So Joseph is this amazing picture. His life, as you read through it, he's just, and this is just a really small part of his life, and we'll touch on some of the highlights of his life, but It's an amazing picture of God suddenly appearing and making things new. This is one of the places. But see, if Joseph is never in prison, this moment doesn't happen. He doesn't become the answer for Pharaoh. He doesn't become the answer for a whole country. In other words, famine produces profound opportunities for us. There is favor in famine. There is favor. Joseph's life is lived, it, many parts of it is lived in the midst of famine, drought, lack. And almost every time that the scripture refers to famine in his life, it's a place where God's favor is released in his life. And without those places of famine happening in his life... As a matter of fact, without famine happening here, because the reason Pharaoh ultimately is calling Joseph is because there's a famine that's about to hit the land, and Joseph is the one that's going to have the answer for it. So if there's no famine there, Joseph probably just dies in prison. Now, you can have a problem and not have an answer, but you can't have an answer and not have a problem. So when problems happen in our life, we need to realize, or in the lives of other people, we need to realize that those problems, they're not just for us to complain about and look at and, and gripe about, and the invitation is, how, how am I an answer? How are we an answer? How do we enter into this? You talk about Dr. King, he saw there were problems, but he didn't just complain about the problems, he entered into being an answer best he could, to the problem for the way that he was fashioned. In other words, if that problem wouldn't have ever occurred or been a part of what was going on in our culture, who knows what would have come of his life. Does that mean we should create problems? No, it means we should be creative answers. Because trust me, everybody else will create enough problems for all of us. So famines literally in our life, those things that become hard, places of drought or difficulty, they literally become places of opportunity to usher us into a preferred future. Think about your own life a minute. Just scan your life quickly. Think about some of the places of famine, maybe in your life. Maybe it was addiction. Maybe it was a death of somebody. Maybe it was a, a relational. It could be divorce. Whatever, you, can, you could, could be financial problems. I mean, it's a plethora. It could have been an accident you had. could have been a car accident. Those things, when you think about it, you scan your life. Then consider how that became, in many ways, an usher for you to go into your preferred future, that there are a lot of good things going on in your life now because you went through a famine. There's hope in famine. There is a need for answers in the midst of famine. See, the predicament of famine in Joseph's life, for instance, becomes... And this is this is how it works for us. The predicament of famine and lack becomes the place of opportunity for us to display our talents. See, the famine becomes the thing where Joseph's ability to interpret dreams... If he's just sitting at home and he's interpreting dreams at home and he's not sharing that gift and that talent... That, that's fine and well, but the, the reality of it is, is it's not really changing anything. It's not being an answer for anything. But the predicament, the lack, the drought, the desperation, the dreams that really were shifting the, the known world at that point. And his ability his talents that God had given him and his resources and his personality and his wisdom that was being gained over years, this became a release point was the predicament going on. What predicaments are going on around you and I that are literally, or maybe even in our own lives that are literally a place that's, that's becoming, an, it, it's an opening for us. It's like All of your talents, all of your life experiences, all of your your skills, your wisdom, uh, the things that you have gained over the years, your personality, all of those things go in and literally like a key, there are these problems that come around and those become opportunities for you and I to open doors and to solve some of the issues that are going on. We don't have answers, we're called to be answers. This is part of how we are, we are fashioned and formed in the image of Christ. Joseph starts out and he, he has this moment. He, his dad loves him and looks at him like he's an answer. See, because people look at you like you're a problem or you're an answer. Some of you may be able to really relate to other people thinking you're a problem. But my invitation to all of us today is to realize that the invitation is that we would all be an answer. So he starts out his life, his dad, an early event is his dad loves him, is thrilled with him. Uh, He has a lot of brothers. He's given this coat of many colors. His dad thinks he's an answer, so he gives him the coat. Well, the brothers think that that's a problem, right? So they turn to him and they decide we're going to dispose of this guy because he's a problem. Because that's what happens with problems as we try to get them out of the way. He's dragged into a pit. He's pulled and left there to die, literally, because his brothers think he's a problem. Then the Midianites show up. Because they see that he's an answer, and they pull him out. He gets an answer. They pull him out of the pit, literally save his life, and and he becomes an answer because they sell him to Potiphar as a slave, which is a moneymaker for the Midianites. So he goes into Potiphar's house. So here's this guy, and his key is being formed and fashioned. It's being grooved and cut. Doors are opening for him. Some he's choosing, some he isn't choosing. But he's put in Potiphar's house, and suddenly he's prospering. He's got access and influence that he's never had before. He just came from Takancha, and all of a sudden he's in New York City with all kinds of influence. But then Potiphar's wife lies about him. She makes up a lie because she's lusting after him. And she makes up a lie, and he becomes a problem again. He's looked at like a problem. He's thrown into prison. He loses his job. He's thrown into prison, and it's in prison that he begins to sit. That's a problem. It's a problem to be in prison. But then, as he's in prison, and he's just following God, he's just doing the God life, right? While he's in prison, this baker and, and, uh, and this, this other guy, they, they have dreams and in their dreams, they start to obviously tell him about the dream. So when they, he, they tell him about the dream, he has the ability to interpret the dream. It's just part of his key. It's the door that's being opened. So suddenly, Pharaoh catches wind of this. So they usher him in. So imagine this. This guy is simply doing his life as a Christ-following or a God-following answer. He's just answering the things that he's invited to answer. It's amazing, this guy's life. It becomes a hinge moment for his life. He goes literally from a pit that his brothers sell him in, put him in, to die, to a palace. He goes from prison to being a prince. It's crazy. See, when we read these scriptures, when we read like Isaiah 43, and it says, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old, what might God want to, to answer with your life? utilizing your life in this year, 2018. We read these scriptures when it says, I'm about to do a new thing, and I think we don't really realize. Literally a couple of hours before Joseph is put in the palace, given authority over vineyards, over lands, the gro- ultimately the gross national product, he's in charge of it. He's in charge of all the storehouses, the influence, all because he's paying attention to the fact that he's an answer to the problems that are around him. Some of us, we feel like our life is just consistent problem. Like we almost, it it starts to bind us up, right? Like we, we go to those moments, like when we read Joseph's story, we feel like, well, that's how my story feels, but it never feels like a gift to the palace. It just feels like I keep getting thrown from one prison to the next. I do get some reprieve occasionally, like I'll get something good that will happen. But then we feel like there's this process going on in our life where we're getting beaten up so much. We just, even when things are good, we can't enjoy it because we're just trying to catch our breath knowing we're on our way down again. And the reality of it for some of us is that our faith is really dictating, or lack thereof, is dictating what our life is about. We, our expectancy is that it will just stay in this prison. We'll just, we might go to the next one. We might go from the county jail to Jackson prison. Then they might send me over to, to uh, a different prison. I might get to be out for a few days, but I'll be back But the truth is, is all of that process for Joseph is a process that he's paying attention to and God begins to open up doors for him. See, that is God's intent for our lives, is that we would be an answer. See, Jesus, uh, and we can get tired of the problems too, but see, Jesus was so aware of the fact that he he was an answer, right? Like at one point, there's just so many sick people around him. I mean, sick people everywhere, just everywhere. Jesus could have just said, man, I am just sick of sick people. They're always around me. But he didn't do that, did he? Because he knew that his life, he, like a key, he was an answer to opening doors for people that were sick. So what does he say? He says, uh, at one point, they ask him, you know, what, about all of the sick people, and he said, you know, why are you spend so much time with sick people? And he says, well, healthy people don't need a physician. In other words, Jesus was saying, uh, the the ans- part of the answer in my life is I, I'm a physician. Those that are those that are healthy don't need a physician. I've come to those that aren't healthy. That's part of that's part of what I bring. I'm not just sick of the problems. I'm bringing answer, I'm living into the answer. So what happens is we spend a lot of time, we spend time uh, looking for answers, we spend a lot of time praying for answers, we spend a lot of time hoping that something will be answered. Maybe, maybe we should start looking for the problems more because we are the answer. Maybe we should try to find the problem because we bring the answer. We are a living answer. See, Potiphar, he saw Joseph as an answer. You know... If you're good at doing a job interview, like those that those that interview people, you know there's people that are good at doing a job interview. They do. They're like, wow. And then there's people that really are not good at it. And it's a lot of things go into that. But a person that does well in a job interview, you know what the underlying sense they have? I'm the answer. I'm the answer to what you need. And for some of us, that's really hard. That's really hard, we for a lot of reasons, it's hard for us to take that responsibility. Might feel like it's arrogant. It's not arrogant because all you, all you can be is who you are. The answer that you are, the key that you are for the doors that can be opened has everything to do with, what you're not saying you're something that you're not. This is, I, I, mean, I don't know, I don't know every problem that's, trust me, you're not going to open every door with the key of your life. You're not going to do that, but there are doors that can be opened. You are an answer to some issues. But you go on a job interview and you see a person that's good at it, they just, they, they have this sense about them that I'm the answer to what you need as a company for that role. I am the answer. And you can feel the confidence in it. So he begins to experience this supernatural blessing and realizing houses and food and influence because the key has fit. And it's really interesting when that happens in our lives. When, When the key fits and it unlocks the door, all of the sudden... All of those cuts and grooves and jagged edges that have been formed in your life and mine over a long period of time, instead of it being a place of disappointment and regret, we start to realize that's why that happened. Because that dent and groove and cut and jagged edge in your life and mine, that's what opens the door. That's what brings the answer. See, some of us, some of us understand at some level what kind of answer we are because we know that, for instance, we're in the early part of 2018. We have this sense that 2018 kind of called you forward. That's why you didn't die in that car crash. That's why when you had that accident, you're still alive. Because 2018 needs answers. And you're here to be an answer. See, that addiction didn't take your life. It changed your key. But 2018 needed your answer. That brokenness in your marriage, that divorce you went through, it's horrible what you've lived through. But it, you, were, you were invited to hear To 2018, to be an answer. You are not a problem looking for an answer. I am not a problem looking for an answer. We are answers looking for problems, folks. The reason that we will do what we do in the next couple of weeks, for instance, the reason we're involved in the Michigan Human Trafficking Task Force is a church the reason that we're involved in Haiti, the reason that we're involved with a food pantry, the reason that we're, I mean, just go through the, the reason that we're training leaders from all over the country is we're an answer. And we will consistently continue to be an answer. And it's the invitation for all of us. You're an answer, you're an answer at your workplace. You're an answer in your home. You're an answer with the people in your neighborhood the last thing that's said here is interesting, it says that so he's in the prison, he gets called out by Pharaoh, and the scripture says that on his way to be with Pharaoh in verse fourteen, it says And Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he hurriedly brought was brought out of the dungeon, and when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in to Pharaoh when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes. In other words, he knew that all of those things that had happened in his life up until that point, he wasn't bringing in to this next season in his life. So what might that be for you and I? For some of us, it might be, we need to let go of just our stuckness We kind of live spiritual insanity, some of us. It's like you really love God, you have this love for God, but you have not changed any patterns in your life when it comes to your spiritual development, and you're you're a little bit frustrated that you're you're not seeing growth. Well that's because it's insane to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and you're going to get the same results, but expect different results, right? So for some of us, to shave and to change and to become the answer, we've got to get busy simply with doing, doing a new thing. Some of the things that we've maybe thought about doing uh, with our development personally, but we haven't done. And then for some of us, shaving and changing, it might be letting go of bitterness or unforgiveness or anger. I mean, I could, I could come up with a ton, a huge list for this. But Joseph shaves himself, cleans himself, so he can walk in his destiny. New clothes. New garments. It's really interesting when you think about it. He gave up that coat of many colors to put on a coat of a ruler as a a Jew, Jewish person. A ruler over an Egyptian country who had days before been in an Egyptian prison. This is what the scripture says in Revelation 21.5. And the one who was seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. Everything is possible with God. Anything is possible. No matter what your story is, this story of Joseph's life, this reality, this historical reality of Joseph's life would stretch the boundaries of any of our lives. But I want you to know as we stand to pray that you and I, we are answers. So as we pray, I want you just to open yourself up. And when we walk out of here today, I want you to walk out of here not wondering about what your, what your life is about at the core of your life you are an answer that God has placed here the reason that you and I are breathing is to bring the goodness of God to planet earth it's grievous to watch some of the stuff that's going on in the world some of the things that are sad and then watch the church at times just get involved in the melee we are an answer gang we we are we are we are the salt of the earth. We're to bring the goodness and the grace of God. That's our role. So Lord, right now I pray for my friends. Let them know that they're an answer. Let them walk through uh, their week this week, and even when they grab their car keys or they grab their house key, that they feel it and it would be a reminder to all of us that we're called to be an answer, to be door openers to problems, of places of stuckness and places that are not working out for people that God, you have graced us with this amazing story of our lives, you've talented us, you've given us skills and resources and goodnesses. And Lord, we pray that even uh, the keys in our hand would be reminders of how you have called us to be an answer. So we thank you for the amazing example of Jesus, the perfect answer to every problem that could ever be imagined. And Lord, we join you in this this powerful effort to let your kingdom advance on planet Earth. We are filled with hope, and we're excited about the new things that you might do in our lives. We're excited about those places that may feel like places that have at times felt like prison cells, but God, we're excited that we're gonna be invited out to be an answer to a problem. Without that problem, we would be stuck in that place. So Lord, we're just aware and we're ready. And when opportunities come, we're going to lean into those individually and corporately. And we give you thanks for that. God, thank you once again for that wonderful prophetic word that you gave us as a church early on. We celebrate that, Lord. But we know that's just such a small part of what you want to continue to do in us. There are things we haven't even dreamed of yet that are about to happen. And we're ready for it, God. We're ready for it. We're ready to put our keys in motion. And we ask you to be with all of us in Jesus' name. And Lord, on this week, as we go about, I bless my friends. I bless their week. I bless their minds. I bless their work. I bless their relationships. I bless their time uh, of, of connection with you and with one another. And Lord, as we go out into the world, let us... Be aware of how we bring answers. Bless my friends in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed this week, guys. Love you so much. See you next week. Don't forget those, uh, those announcements that we gave you. Make sure you sign up uh, for the quarterly retreats or you can sign up or uh, make sure you come to that community rally for the trafficking uh, day, the training that day um, on the 25th love you guys god bless you go go provide some answers all right